Popovich. Played very well tonight. Great team defense. Did a good job. Kobe Bryant. Welcome in to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by uh, DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Make sure that you look for the promo code WMVP and you get some great deals for basketball, for UFC, for the upcoming baseball season. Check it out. It's the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, as always, brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. We're here at the All-Star break. Time to talk to my guy, Nick Friedel, from ESPN.com. We'll talk to Nick about some of the storylines around the NBA, what's going on with the Warriors, what's going on with the Lakers, of course, at home with the Chicago Bulls and the rest of the Eastern Conference. All parts of the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. You love basketball, college or pro, we cover it for you right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. I'm going to call Nick, and let's get underway. Let's try to review the first half, and what can we expect in the second half of the NBA season? Let's find out from Nick. There he is, my friend Nick Friedel, covers the NBA for ESPN.com as we take a look at the first half storylines of the NBA season. Hello, Nick. Hello, my man. Man, there's a lot to cover with you. Let me start with um, the Bay Area, with the Golden State Warriors, as uh, as the birds start uh, attacking Nick here. The the Warriors. Like the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear them chirping in the background. There it is. Like the good old days. Ah, California. Well, the the Warriors uh, are are a team here that you've been keeping your eyes on very closely. How would you describe the ebb and flow of the season so far for Golden State? They're about where I thought they would be. And, Hoodie, I say that because when you looked at the roster, I just didn't think that they were going to be that much more than a 500 team. You knew what you were getting from Steph. You knew what you were probably getting from Draymond. Uh, But after that, there were a lot of question marks. And Kelly Oubre really struggled to start the season. He's gotten his game back on track. Andrew Wiggins... Really struggled to start, was really solid in between, and now he's kind of going into a little slump again as well. So after that, the big key was what would they get from James Wiseman? And he has really been hurt by the fact that he didn't get much of a training camp. He had to go through the COVID protocols. He didn't get a summer league. Uh, And Hoodie, for a young player, at 19, who just had three college games, uh, there were... And are questions about how he's uh, kind of developing over time. So the Warriors are still very high on him, but there's a reason why they are where they are. And that's because when you look at the roster, after you lose Clay Thompson, uh, the way they did on draft night, there just aren't a, a lot of reliable players, consistent players night to night. So as far as uh, the Warriors' first half is concerned, 
they're sitting about where I thought they'd be a couple months into the season. The Utah Jazz have been a real, have been an interesting story at the top of the conference. We just don't know about their sustainability, but you know they're well coached and they're, as always, a very good regular season attraction, correct? Correct, but you and I have been through this discussion many times through the years. <laughs> and until they, they prove that they can be any different in the postseason, they're not going to get the credit that they're seeking. Uh, and I say that as somebody who just got demolished last year for saying that the Jazz could could get over the hump and could challenge in the Western Conference. And I think this team, this season, is the kind of team that uh, I and many others thought was going to be there last season. But because of injuries, because of inconsistencies, uh, it didn't happen. Uh, I watched them this year. They're playing defense. I've always liked Gobert, and Donovan Mitchell appears to be appears to be trying to take that next step. But until he does, I just don't see them being able in the postseason to continue the success they've had at times to start the first half here. Well, maybe it's coaching. Maybe they should consider Jim Beheim. He can make fun of five foot two reporters. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> Coach uh, Coach Beheim is is nothing if not consistent, hoodie. And the same things he's saying to some uh, some young writer now are the same things he was saying 35, 40 years ago to some writer. So uh, <laughs> I can understand why people might get upset at the act uh, and might get frustrated uh, in the, the times that we're living in. But this is the same guy he has always been, and he's never changed for better or worse. The condescending sip after making fun of that kid, that's what bothered the crap out of me. The condescending sip. He's five foot two and he doesn't he can't play basketball. Sip. I mean he's like Kermit up there. I didn't like that. <laughs> but, but, but but you know what was coming. <laughs> you knew what was coming all along. And it's one of my buddies, a, a fellow Syracuse alum pointed out to me. Beheim usually doesn't go after especially younger writers unless he likes them. So in his own way, that was like a sign of love. But in in the world of the 24-hour news cycle and, and Zoom and everything else, it, of course, was not taken that way. Ah, oh, Beheim. So if I gave you your choice of the Lakers or the field in the Western Conference, are you still leaning Lakers? I'm still leaning Lakers, and it's because – I learned last season after doing so and being proved uh, wrong. I'm not, I'm not betting against LeBron again. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, he may not win, but I'd rather go down betting on LeBron than uh, being, <laughs> being being proven wrong for a Lakers team that uh, still has a, an unbelievable amount of talent. And if you get through the stretch without AD and LeBron continues to carry them uh, the way he has at times, and they're going to be fine when the playoffs roll around. But that's that's the key for me. They have LeBron. LeBron is absolutely motivated and has kept his body in really good shape. So there's no reason to believe there's going to be some kind of steep decline in the second half and going into these playoffs uh, because he just hasn't shown it to this point. 
You know, you you chose Damian Lillard for MVP, and as we end the first half of the season, Portland's right in the middle of the Western Conference, and so it's to, it's a team that got off to a slow start, and now they're trying to you know kind of rally here. So how do you look at that pick now? Because even though I like Damian Lillard like you do, just a, the point is though, it's like it's a good team, but you're just trying to figure out Nick how they can get over the hump, and I don't think they can, and so. In the end, as much as I like Dame's game uh, and as much as I think he will be in the conversation when you and I talk uh, another couple months from now, I don't believe that he can win it this year because I don't believe the rest of the roster has developed to a point where uh, things are going to be that much different for the Blazers when when push comes to shove. And I know McCollum's been out. I know they've had injuries, but... There's just not enough on that roster to get him over the hump that you're talking about. So when you look at where Dame is, uh, I think he's in that conversation. But I think that Embiid, as we sit here right now, is probably clearly the the front runner today going into the second half. And if LeBron can turn it on again, then you know he, he's probably going to get that narrative push behind him. And there's going to be plenty of people that would love nothing more than to vote for him again. Uh, But uh, right now, I think it's Embiid's award to lose. I heard a podcast that Mark West was on, the old grizzled veteran Mark West, who's been uh, been up and down the the roads of the NBA. And he talked about Chris Paul and the kind of player that Chris Paul was when he played uh, in the league. And, boy, I tell you what. Nick, I don't know how far the Suns can go. Obviously, I'll watch the second half of the season. But on the NBA package, they are fun to watch. You can see the elevation of the organization with Chris Paul being the lead guard, Devin Booker. What what do you think of what you've seen from the Suns so far this year? I think they've been really, really solid. And, Hoodie, you know uh, my feelings on Monty Williams through the years. I respect the hell out of him, and I think he's a damn good coach. Uh, And I think Monty being there has stabilized that organization. And we started to see that growth in the bubble. And everybody points to uh, what they did. And and they were wondering if it could continue. And the answer is yes. And Chris Paul uh, was a guy, having watched him over the last few years, uh, as somebody who grew up really enjoying Chris Paul's game, I, I thought he was right towards the end, at least towards the end of being any kind of difference maker. Uh, and after seeing him in those last couple of years in Houston, being around the Warriors as much as I was, I was sick of him just kind of flopping all over the floor. And to his credit, he goes to OKC last year. He helps that young team get uh, their game together, uh, and, and they made a, a nice little run given where people thought they'd be. And he's gone to Phoenix now, and he's done the same thing. He's helped Devin Booker. Uh, I thought Jay Crowder... gives that team a real edge that they've been lacking over time Uh, and they know how to play and to his credit Chris Paul has been the stabilizer that he's been at other points in his career but there's a reason why the guy's going to the Hall of Fame and there's a reason why he's he's so respected uh, throughout the league so the Suns are a great story I don't know if they can win much in the postseason but the fact that they've gotten to this point absolutely shows that they're on the right track uh, for a few years to come Nick uh, I don't know if you see this from your seat but I see this from mine in the first half of the season clearly there's a lot of these arenas there's no fans and because of the pandemic 
But the type of basketball that we're seeing, Nick, I mean, a lot of nights, defense is optional. And when you do get a good defensive team, I'll give Tibbs credit, right? Of course it's Tibbs. Of course his team is one of the top teams. Of course it is defensively. Of course they're the oddball team that's actually guarding and and trying to stop guys. (laughs) Of course they're 500. You know, of course. I mean, it's not a surprise. But what what is, is there something tangible that you could see from the first half that's different than what you saw last year? The intensity level just isn't there. And I say that as a a fan of the game first, Hoodie. I've been going to all these games at Chase Center in San Francisco. And when you watch, I mean, your point is spot on. There just isn't defense <laughs> on the whole. There are nights, certainly, where guys play more defense. And, and there are teams... We talked about the Jazz. I think they had been playing well, aside from this recent stretch. And the Knicks are always in most games because they are playing defense. But on the whole, they're, it is it is not high on the priority list. And as a fan of the game, I've really struggled to watch this year when I wasn't working covering the Warriors. Because the intensity, and I'm not sure if it's just the lack of fans or if it's just the the world that we're all living in right now it's just not the same and players don't seem as into the games as they normally would be and and it's been a struggle for me i i i've got to be honest because i grew up my era when i fell in love with the game was in the 90s the shack and penny magic uh the uh the the big davis uh, men in indianapolis the knicks uh, with Van Gundy, who were going to defend and defend and defend, and then you had the Heat. All those East teams that just, they love nothing more than uh, a rock fight at times. And I understand the game has evolved, and three-point shooting has changed it. Uh, but, Hoodie, when you watch uh, just a little defense, is that too much to ask at this point? Is that is that too much uh, to see in the league? I, I think that whichever team decides to start defending in the second half going into the postseason, they are at a distinct advantage because so many teams just aren't defending night to night anymore. Of course, off the record, you and I in our career have heard from players that diss the fans, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you, we've heard this for years, like, oh, I can't believe these fans are on me. I can't believe this talk show is on me, all this stuff, right? And so I've always had this feeling that some players could play with no fans and be fine. Clearly, that's not the case, Nick. So I'll ask you this. Do you believe that some players just need that energy, home or road, to be able to get going? Now, you have competition in front of you, but maybe it's for some of these players, it's like, man, no one's really watching me here, so I don't get the energy that I need. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. There are some players in the league, Hoodie, that need that extra jolt as much as, and you mentioned it, guys have uh, have bitched and moaned over time sometimes about uh, the response from fans mm-hmm. or what's being said. Uh, there are there are players that need that extra uh, energy in the arena. They need somebody talking to them uh, and telling them how bad they may be and, and telling them how bad their team is uh, because it gives them that edge that they're they're searching for and if you were trying to pin down what's different about the game this year in a pandemic and how it's compared to seasons in the past 
it's it's that right there. And I can I can hear some fans listen to us right now, and they're saying, well, in the NBA, defense was kind of optional for the last few years anyway. Well, I mean, that's true to a certain extent, but it's never been like this. No. Uh, I, I feel like it's it's like the the Oprahfication of the NBA. <laughs> like you get a shot. No, you get a shot. No, you get a shot. Because how many possessions when you watch these games right now do you see guys walk up the floor, jack up some three, uh, the next team they get the rebound, walk up the floor, jack up another three. It just gets old. Uh, watching the same kind of style when there's not enough defense to balance what's going on. Except New York. <laughs> Except New York. <laughs> what's the phrase, Nick? What's the phrase? The magic is in the work. Is that it? The magic is in the work. We have more than enough to win with. <laughs> Don't let go of the rope. Grab the ladders. I got I got a slew of for you. Okay, the magic is in the work. I love that. Well, well, the Bulls ended up 16 and 18. They boy, give up 46 points in the fourth quarter against the Pelicans. Oh my god. So, you know, Billy Donovan here is aging like a president and um because of again, we talk about the defense, right? The amount of points given up. There's it's getting some better defensively, but that was ugly the other night. So, from your standpoint, based on the personnel for the Bulls, how do you see this team with Zach Levine? First and foremost, uh, he's had a hell of a year, and he's deserving of the praise that has come his way. I mean, Hoodie, when he signed that first deal, it was like four for 80 mil. I was uh, one of the people who said, ah, I, I wouldn't do that, given what we had seen, given he, he just seemed to be a one-way player. As far as that contract goes, he, he's proven me wrong, uh, and uh, he deserves the accolades that have started to appear. But then this feeds into not only the second half of this season and what the Bulls uh, might do this year, but as we know, the, the, the real question becomes, okay, do you believe in Zach Levine to a point where if you're the Bulls, you give him a $200 million deal over the next five years, uh, that that max extension uh, that I'm sure he's and his agent are looking at. And again, for me, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and I say that because... Uh, I just watched what they did with Jimmy Butler a, a couple years ago. You and I both did. They did not believe that Jimmy could be the face of, of a title team. And they didn't want to pay him super max money, which at the time, I believe, something like five years, $224 million. They didn't want to give him that deal. So why, a couple more years later, are you so confident that – uh, Zach, who absolutely he's going to improve, but is he ever going to improve to a point where you feel like he's going to be the face of a title team? For me, given what we've seen, my answer to that is no. And if I'm wrong in a few more years, uh, I'm happy to do the same thing I did when when he got the, the when they matched the extension from Sacramento. I walked up to him, I shook his hand, and said, "Congrats on your new deal, man." So if that happens. Uh, then more power to Zach Levine and the Bulls. I'm just saying, having watched the fact that they didn't want to go down that road with Jimmy Butler, uh, who is absolutely a two-way player, and when he's physically healthy, it's one of the very best players uh, in the game at times, to, to, uh, to go into that kind of relationship with Zach long-term, ah, man, I have serious, serious doubts about it. Okay, so in, always the question is, if not Zach, who? Because Kobe White is a player that is definitely filling it up, especially as of late, Nick. 
But the question is, can he harness an offense? I think that this team, they don't have a point guard. And again, this is not like 20 years ago. You got to have a guy with 10 assists and, you know, four or five points just as long as he gets the ball to the. It's not that. It's just that the Bulls don't have a guy that can be a distributor. I guess that guy would be Zach Levine also. But I just think Kobe White as someone who is scoring at a high level, that's good. But I just. I know that Billy Donovan wants him to be more of a pure point guard and do both, and we haven't seen that development yet. Uh, and I don't know if we're going to. And that's the real issue, Hoodie, for the Bulls, uh, for Kobe White. I, I, I feel like this conversation is <laughs> with you and I did a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, when, when, they picked, when they picked Kobe White, it was kind of like, well, is he a point guard? Well, he could score. Yeah, but is he a point guard? Is he going to set up your offense? Is he going to get you in the right places to get everybody else involved? And I didn't feel like it then. I certainly don't feel like it uh, when I get a chance to watch the Bulls now. So, I, and again, this ties into I really like Billy Donovan. I think that staff has done a good job. There's no question that there's been improvement from, from certain guys. But part of the reason why I'm not matching – or going down that road, I should say, with with Zach Levine and in, in the two hundred million dollar deal, is because I think on the whole, while you have some nice young pieces, hoodie, I don't know how many pieces you have that you're going to build around. So, with that in mind, I'd rather just trade uh, Zach and get a whole bunch of different guys and picks and try to rebuild that way, rather than saying, okay, well, we're going to build around Zach. He's still not a very good defender, but we hope he's going to improve. And then we're going to hope that Kobe White turns into a point guard. And then we're going to hope that, that Lowry Markkinen stays healthy and can develop his own game. That is a lot of hope, a lot of hope. And when you're trying to get back to not only the playoffs, but to championship level contention, uh, I, I just don't see a lot of building blocks on the roster despite the fact that uh, there have been uh, flashes of, of prominence and f- of excitement from, from various guys on the roster so far. Lastly, Nick, what, is, what impresses you more, Steve Nash's job with Brooklyn or Doc Rivers' job with Philly? Ooh, I, that's a really good question. Uh, I would tell you that uh, I'm more impressed by what Doc has done so far, only because I was never sure if Philly could even get to this level. And I say that as somebody who who really liked Brett Brown and thought he did a nice job through the years, but it was obvious. I mean, how many how many coaches have you and I seen through the years? They're able to take a team from A to B, but you, you can't get them sometimes from B to C. And Doc is one of those guys. And whether they can have success in the playoffs or not, we're going to find out. But Embiid is playing unbelievably well. They seem to have rallied around what Doc is selling, which is always crucial for a new coach. And as much as I like what Steve Nash has done, Hoodie, until that team starts playing a little more consistently defensively, they're fun as hell to watch. I just don't know, even with all the superstar talent they have with KD, Kyrie, and Harden, if... I don't know if I've ever seen a team just straight up dominate offensively with no defense. That's what I think people always forget. They go back to uh, the big three 
in Miami. When Miami was at their best, they could defend when they needed to in the postseason. Uh, the Warriors over the last few years, when the Warriors were really playing at their peak, they defended with with KD and, and Iguodala and Draymond especially at an unbelievably high level. I'm not sure if Brooklyn's going to get there this year, although that remains to be seen. So uh, I would take Doc in the job he's done in kind of resetting a culture that had not disappeared, but had started to waver in those last couple of years under Brett Brown. My friend, as always, I appreciate you stopping by to talk basketball with me. And just keep in mind, even though Mayor Bottom says, don't come to Atlanta to party for All-Star Weekend, the stripper poles will be filled. No matter what Mayor Bottoms wants, it bottle service and booty models all around for All Star Weekend. What is she? What is she on? You're in Atlanta. Of course, we're coming to party. I mean, I <laughs> I, I felt bad for her. <laughs> I felt bad for her because we we know how important the, the All Star Game is, and every everybody's looking for a little extra excuse to party. And Atlanta's a hell of a fun place, and everybody's having a good time. You just hope that everyone's going to be safe, but. Oh, man, you and I, as usual, thought the exact same thing. I, I saw her statement, and I went, oh, good luck. Good <laughs> luck, Mayor. <laughs> if, hey, if you catch me sitting in my hotel room in Atlanta, Georgia, you better take my temperature. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? I mean, even if we're not throwing dollars, Nick, the restaurants, you know, the whole scene, warm weather, all that, right? If nothing oh. else, I mean... Obviously, if I was down there, I'd be masked and be and be, be safe. But the idea that I'm just going to sit there like a monk in Atlanta, Georgia, and just look out the window—that's not happening. All Star Weekend? Come on! Not a not a chance for most people. Eddie. <laughs> not a chance, especially in that city. Especially what we've all gone through uh, over the last year. Oh, <laughs> I just I hope everybody's safe. But of all cities for that All Star Game to land in. Atlanta. Oh, my oh, God. Baby. Party oh. time. Good job, Silver. All right, Nick, as always. <laughs> I mean, you chose that city where the, where the, bar, where the barbecue and the family reunion is. Okay. Oh. We'll see. Oh. What does Tim say? We'll see. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, brother. I miss you, my man. Talk to you soon. Good to hear from my guy, Nick Friedel. Let me tell you about UFC 259. It's this weekend and it's sure to be action-packed with three title fights taking place in one night. DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. The official sports betting partner of UFC is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 100 to 1 odds on either fighter to land a punch during the title fight. Either main event fighter could land a punch if they do during this weekend's UFC 259 bout. DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook will hook you up with 100 to 1 odds. Just bet $1 on either fighter to land a punch. And if that happens to be the one that you choose, you will cash $100. Don't worry if MMA is not for you. Hey, we're a basketball podcast, right? So if you want to take a look at college basketball or the NBA, hockey, so much more, it's right there 
on the top-rated DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app. Use the promo code WMVP when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. If either main event fighter lands a punch on Saturday's UFC 259 show. For a limited time only with DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older Illinois only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has got a gambling problem, crisis counseling or referral services can be accessed by calling one of her gambler. Okay. Thanks so much as always. We've had a terrific first half of the NBA season. Also, March Madness is right around the corner. So, great NBA conversation with uh, you and so many of our guests that we've had on the show. Thank you so much for supporting the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. And, of course, was being March Madness, a lot of college basketball talk on this podcast as well. Thanks for listening to Cap and J. Hood mornings between 7 and 10 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. And, of course, on Spotify. You can download this podcast on Spotify. Never miss an episode. Extra audio you'll find on Spotify if you download and subscribe to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. I'm Jonathan Hood. Can't wait for the All-Star Weekend. It's actually really All-Star Sunday. Will Purdue and I will be together on Sunday. Checking out the old calendar, the 7th of March. So we'll be together and we'll be able to break down uh, the All-Star festivities and the All-Star game and look ahead to the second um, level of the NBA season. So we'll put some of that on this podcast as well. So check it out, the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. If you subscribe, you never miss an episode. Thanks so much, as always, for your support, and thanks for listening to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook.